Thank you for joining us for Love That VoiceOver. In-depth interviews unveiling the personality and projects behind the mic with none other than your chic geek, perfectly different host, Love That Rebecca. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Love That VoiceOver. Today, we have a very special guest, Mr. J.S. Gilbert. Hello, J.S. Hi, how are you, Rebecca? We're happy to have you here. Thank you. Yeah, this is segment one of four cool segments with J.S. This segment is called, Where Did You Come From, J.S.? One of the things that I wanted to do first was give a little bit about J.S.'s background. From his LinkedIn profile, J.S. self-described himself as fortunate enough to be paid to wear several hats. Some say he is a hybrid advertising marketing guy slash production company. Maybe the product of old school meets new school with a little attention deficit thrown in. (laughs) He has trouble with the elevator pitch and is sure different people think of him as being a solution to quite different problems. He's a storyteller, writer, voice actor, voiceover talent, producer, director. He has done corporate work for Houghton Mifflin, AOL, Fujitsu, Sony, Autodesk, Wells Fargo, Denny's, Squibb, and lots of small to medium-sized businesses. He has done advertising for Clorox Bathroom Cleaners, Texas Chevrolet, STP, thousands of other ads, and over 300 video games, including Sweet Tooth, also known as Needles Cane, from Twisted Metal Black. Dead Space 2, Assassin's Creed, Sam and Max, Tekken, Doom, Star Wars, and Lord of the Rings Online. That's a pretty nice resume, JS. Thank you. Yeah. Now, from what you told me prior to our starting the interview, you said that you had been a class clown, but also very good in school. You're sort of these dueling personalities, and your degree in computer science and business kind of shows some of that. You want to talk a little bit about your your class clown heritage? Well, yeah, I think, um, uh, you know, growing up, it was sort of uh, how do you fit in? And I I grew up in uh, uh, I was raised by my mother. My father was not in the picture from about the age of two. I was often handed off to uh, family members uh, for months on end uh, at various places uh, in, in in the United States and Canada, so uh, ostensibly so that my mother could find a, a new husband, I guess. Right. Uh, so there was a lot of being the new kid, a lot of being the different kid. Uh, I, I was also relatively poor growing up. So I found uh, being able to use comedy and uh, just being the, the funny kid um, uh, really kind of worked out well, uh, rather than being the kid who who fought. and. Um, so that that was kind of my my weapon was was sort of just being good natured and and uh, comedic and funny, but at the same time I had a, a very good memory. My short term memory was really good, so I found at an early age that um, I could just read the the textbooks uh, very quickly and and retain a lot of the information. And um, I guess I was able to figure out a way of sort of tricking the system uh, in school, if you will. So I was I was both the the kind of rebel, funny uh, class clown kid. Yeah. But I also did very well in school. So that was that was kind of the uh, the the dichotomy, if you will. So you missed you missed the delinquent stage. Thank goodness. Uh, yeah, it was a little of that too. I think um, 
with the rebel? I was just kind of lucky I didn't get caught, I suppose. Or, well, maybe I did get caught. You, you know, growing up, um, um, we we had the village, and so it was it was still hard to get away with things. <laughs> you know, there was there was always a pair of eyes on you. <laughs> Nowadays, it's. You know, I want to tell these kids that are sitting in the senior and handicapped seats on the bus to get up and let the, but you're sometimes scared because you don't know they might be packing heat. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's very different now in terms of, I think, how people get involved and, and how kids are raised and so forth. So, Or if they're raised and if, if people get involved. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, now, being that you were a class clown, but also relatively smart guy, who could catch on to things. It sounds like you had a lot of street smarts. You went into college and got a degree in computer science and business. And you also, though, told me that you spent time in the nightclub bar and concert business and worked in sales and marketing. So you have this creative streak and a rebellious streak, it sounds like. Well. With also a business sense. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I think. Well, there was always this kind of importance on me, uh, drummed in, uh, in particular, growing up poor, um, ab about business. And I had a lot of really good business role models in my life as well. Um, so at an early age, you know, I, I did a lot of the things that kids might do to raise money. And then as I kind of got into my teens, I became a little bit more um, industrious. Um, actually, I... Uh, <laughs> I, I I was selling sodas illegally on the beach in Coney Island when I was 14 and 15 years old. And, and did you uh, know you were selling them illegally? Well, after I bribed my first police officer, yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, um, but I just, uh, it, it was uh, it was interesting. It was, um, I paid a fine is what happened. Uh, I see. Was that the I bribe was, or a real fine? Well, no, it, it was a, a cash fine, if you will. I see. So, things were a little simpler back then. And, oh, I think uh, those kinds of things still work today, in fact. Yeah. So it, it kind of put a little entrepreneurial spirit into me. And then also I had the kind of, um, you know, I was young and I, 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 I would like to think or I was told I was a, a kind of charismatic back then. And it, 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 it's the same way now. I, I, I mean, uh, you know, opportunities seem to happen a lot to, to people that are young. and, and um, uh, you know, in, in advertising and gaming and, and a lot of the other things that kind of focus around voiceover, there's this sort of tendency that when somebody gets to be 50, they get canned and then they hire two 25 year olds. So, um, you know, I, I, I really did feel like the world was my oyster and, and to a certain extent felt like I had a Midas touch back then when I was even, even still in high school at 15, 16 years old. Wow. So, yeah, that's pretty it, nice. I don't think most kids would have felt that way. I think that sounds pretty unique. Well, besides having the comedy, there was something to be said for being the guy who could buy everybody ice cream when the truck came around. So it is something. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, and, and, and that was that was also kind of that mentality that kept me from going into creative pursuits because I always had heard the word starving before artist. Right. So. So I, I kind of would dip my toe in the water. And um, what I liked was I liked when I could be in um, sort of creative pursuits from the standpoint of I was the guy making the money, but also having fun. Right. So I became a bartender and that meant that I could be on the other side of the bar making money. But it also meant that I could um, I could interact with people and hang out in a bar. 
Yeah. So for a single young guy, it was uh, it was an excellent opportunity. Um, I'll just leave it. At that. I, I met a few bartenders myself when I was a single young girl. Yeah, so, <laughs> it is a good spot. <laughs> uh, and then that kind of moved into uh, just people offering me opportunities and, um, you know, and 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 having the the. I don't know what you would say. I don't know that it was courage or whatever, but just saying, hmm, well, I'll give it a shot. And uh, so I, I did get involved in the nightclub industry and I uh, worked a, a bit as a concert and special event promoter. And Which um, brought audio into your mix yeah, of knowledge. Exactly. And also that kind of led into the advertising world because at the time I was doing that, a lot of the advertising agencies were now being tasked with doing things like on-site promotions and special events for clients. Okay. And uh, so as we started to see technology moving in the Bay Area, um, they were looking at putting on these lavish, large events. And So at this point, you are in the Bay Area. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, at that point, uh, uh, I, I did a little bit of concert work and promotional work and stuff back on the East Coast, uh, worked for for some entrepreneurs and, and did a few things uh, creatively but uh i kind of i've been in the bay area now for over 30 years so this is really home for me and and that's where it all started it sounds like the mid 80s is about when you were doing all of that and that was when bill graham was big and concerts were big and promotions were big and that's when you started getting into the audio and radio spots producing advertising with radio i've been a writer since i was probably uh, I, as, as, as long as I can remember. And I actually had my first article published in the New York Daily News when I was, I don't even think I was 16 at the time. Wow. Yeah. So it was very, very exciting. And I had a lot of encouragement from uh, several English teachers in high school. And so, so writing, writing, uh, I, I love to do writing. And of course, uh, there was, a, I don't know, maybe more of a, I don't want to use the word renaissance, but, you know, writing poetry and, and writing uh, uh, prose. And it, it was different back then. If you, if you had a complaint, you would have to actually write a letter and put it in an envelope and send it somewhere right. rather than just going online now and, and hitting a few buttons. So I found that writing was a very powerful tool. And um, and I, I just enjoyed it and and um, and and explored a lot of the different uh, genres of writing. And so uh, at this point now, I, I'm getting to know people who are in advertising and marketing. I've also been using some different advertising and marketing tools myself to kind of promote myself and things that I was involved in. So I learned how to do all the old stuff, the Ruby Lith and Letraset and how to actually make ads and all that kind of stuff. So I sort of just migrated into this advertising world where they were giving me, um, I guess, the lower end opportunities, the things that a lot of the the people that these guys really didn't want to do. But you were still young and it was a natural affinity for you it sounds like yeah oh i i embraced it all um so you know it, producing a bad radio spot is still producing a radio spot you know true true <laughs> so uh, so you got into the radio you produced some concert spots you mentioned yeah yeah so I, that was my job basically to go down to the radio stations where they would have uh one of the on-air personalities usually record these spots that were for local concerts and and things of that nature. Sometimes it was community fair stuff and they were very formulaic. It was very easy for me to write them. You just, you know, plugged in a different name and date location. Exactly. Right. And, 
one day I was in the radio station uh, and the talent uh, was uh, uh, having an issue. I I can't exactly. And what was the issue? He might have been hungover. I'm not really sure. <laughs> <laughs> but in any case, it just wasn't working. And he stormed off and the engineer said, well, I, I don't know what you want to do. Um, you know, we don't have anybody else available, but you know, you have a, a, a nice voice and you know the material. Do you want to try recording it? Oh. So I thought, well, worst case scenario, I would record it, bring it back. And they would say, no, 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 forget about it. And then it, at least it would give me, you know, some time to, to line up another uh, person to record it. Well, this is more the old adage being at the right place in the right time. It, it's that way. Um, you know, I, I've, I've heard this story from so many people out there, you know, how uh, the process of getting into voiceover was either an accident, but I, I, I refer to it as an organic process, you know. Uh, because of the natural affinity you had and the environment then that you created around yourself. Yeah, exactly. It's not like I picked up a, a, a newspaper and read an article about how some ballerina crushed her leg and now had, you know, was doing voiceover <laughs> and then said, ah, okay, I'm going to do that. Or, you know, in some other way actually uh, came to do voiceover. I mean, there were a lot of roads. Uh, at, at this time, I also had been doing improv uh, for a long, long time. Uh, Jim Crana, who had an improv workshop for uh, 30 years in, in the Bay Area. And now it's, it's... I know that name, yeah. Jim Crana. Yeah, he's uh, a, a voiceover guy that not too many people, uh, you know, would know about. He's he's not on online or anything like that. But um Probably compared to most of the people out there that call themselves top talent, um, this guy has done 25, 30 times as much work as they have. Wow. So there's a lot of people that came from the improvisational world, and I watched them and followed them, and I got to play with them. They're, they're people people would recognize. Diane Amos, who's the Pine Saw Lady. Mm. If you're in California, you you know about Roundtable Pizza. Bill Bonham, who is the Roundtable Pizza guy. Ah. Jeff who is, uh, was the Toyota guy and, and so many different things. I mean, this was a whole group. They were called Theater of the Deranged. Some of these people had been uh, performing with uh, the committee, which is where, uh, uh, you know, lots of top names, actors have came from. All in the Bay Area, right? Yeah, in the Bay Area. And then the committee moved to, they also had, were in, in, in L.A. as well. So, uh, but, but back then a lot of the voice talent were coming from, uh, from improvisational acting. <clears throat> and in fact, uh, later on when we would get brought in, uh, for, uh, for sessions, they would, they would encourage us to, to improv and they would record it and, and try and figure out ways that they could maybe cut it in or use it in future work or whatever. In fact, uh, there's a SAG and, and after would have rate schedules for when talent would do improv and, and the talent would get you know reimbursed for that, for that part of the work that they would do separately from the actual work. Such an art, you have a blessed skill. <laughs> <clears throat> So, so there were a lot of roads. I, I knew about, you know, I knew about voiceover actors from the little bit that I was exposed to them uh, from my writing and working in advertising. I knew uh, people in my improv workshops and things that were doing voiceover. Um, I had worked doing uh, some stand-up for a while. How fun. You worked doing stand-up. Yeah, I, <clears throat> Doug Ferrari, who was the winner of the 1983 comedy competitions, right? He and I were uh, writing partners for a while, and 
We wrote for people like um, uh, Henny Youngman and uh, Jay Leno. And wow. So, you know, we. How fun was that to be? You were working. Now, this would be Ferrari yourself and a, a group of others, as I understand it, for a show like Jay Leno. Uh, we, weren't, we weren't staff writers. We were here in San Francisco and we would just write gags, you know, and then oh, just put them in an see. envelope and send it down there and they would pay us. You know, a hundred bucks, two hundred bucks, whatever. Got it. You, you know, you can you can actually they, they, you can still do that. There are there are um, a, a lot of shows out there that will pay people for. We just call it's called gag writing, and it's it's freelance. And you know, so sometimes we just come up with a concept or an idea, and it, it didn't work for us doing stand up. Or actually, by the time I was writing, um, the I wasn't really doing stand up much anymore. But. Um, uh, Still coming up with it's a hard uh, hard gig. It's I I would say that pays lower than voiceover. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. When I was first looking at stand up, though, there was a bit of an explosion. So there was. I I was there in the Bay Area when that explosion was occurring, and it was a beautiful time for comedy. I mean, for a very 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 short while, there was a time when I could actually get on stage, probably before Robin Williams, if we both came to the club at the same time. Sweet. It was like maybe five seconds, but still, I kind of relish it, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you mentioned it. It wasn't until the 90s that you considered yourself going into voiceover work full time. Yeah. And that was because you really were scared about being a starving artist. Is that is that correct? Do I understand that right? You know, I, I think people should be really very, very concerned. Um, you know, I, well, in your own case, you were. Yeah, I, you I, were I researched concerned. it. I, 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 you know, I, I, try to learn as much as I possibly could and realize there there's no internet. There's no real, uh, there were, there were practically no books on the market. There was, there was no sense of where to get information. And, um, so I, I created a program with a, a local teacher called, uh, the talent forum. Hmm. And, um, to my understanding, I was the first person actually to go out and engage people like, broadcast producers and agency reps and um, union people and game developers and all people who were involved in voiceover. And we put together workshops, very inexpensive workshops, where these people could come in and talk about the industry. Wow. And I, I still had, you know, a few toes dipped in the water at that point. I was I was clinging on to a lot of other things that I was doing that um, that paid considerably well. I was a cost analysis consultant for a while, which is horrible work but pays very well wow yeah that's kind of an accounting function uh yeah yeah it's it's you go into businesses and you basically trim the deadwood yeah and that could mean also like you know me firing a ton of people and a ton of people who are older than me and you know it, it just was very difficult so i can imagine well, let's talk about some of the more creative. That's still creative. That's still creative. It's just a different kind of creative. Yeah. Well, that's where the substance abuse in my background comes in. <laughs> <laughs> Not happy at work, substance abuse after work. This is the end of segment one of four cool segments with JS. Thanks for listening.